to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. And giving me a chance here to stand in this pulpit, I ask the Holy Spirit to have their way and that the words that I speak be truthful, be of you, Lord, and that it falls on good ground, falls to germinate, to just grow and just affect people's lives, their mindset, and just just grow even more. Amen. All right. So, of course, when PT asked me to prepare for Wednesday night, I was like, oh, gosh. I asked the Holy Spirit, I was like, what am I supposed to be talking about? And I was quick, quickened to talk about dangers of being lukewarm. One of the most, most relevant things that I remember, you know, started here eight years ago, and I can still distinctly remember PT talking about how dangerous it is to be lukewarm in your faith. You know, being in between is a very dangerous, dangerous position because being on fire for God or being completely cold, those two places produce good results. Think about it. If you're on fire for God, your relationship with the Father is strong. You are in one accord. You are fulfilling, fulfilling your purpose, and you are obedient to God. You turn to the Father always for your needs. Now, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, being cold can also bear good fruit. From the revelation you get from God in his word, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but think about it. If you're cold and you get wisdom, revelation from words, either by accidents, happenstance, or it actually, you know, produces fruit because the way you've been going about it when you're absolutely cold and you do a complete turn and do things the God's way, there's no other option but that it produces good fruit. Now, however, when you're in that middle spot, all right, let's, let's imagine that Someone who's lukewarm is in between, and it's a very difficult stage to be in because it can stagnate your progress and purpose, and you can find yourself really stuck in your walk, sometimes even for decades, and it can lead to ruin. Let's look at this. This is someone that knows the word, attends church, claims their salvation, but they have both feet in the world, in the world and in the kingdom. And they are left wondering why good fruit is not manifesting. Someone who jumps in praises when they attend church on Sunday, but has bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart. Yeah, that was me. Being lukewarm, someone who can quote a scripture, but when you look into their heart, it is corrupted by the world. Yeah, that was me too. Right? Being lukewarm, you don't utilize the gifts you possess. You have all this knowledge, but you never walk it out. You never, you never go to the glory that God has for you. Because think about it. Being lukewarm, 
you can't have this revelation and not use it. Or when you have this revelation, you stay in that one place and never advance because you can't live off the same revelation that you had from yesterday. You can't eat off from the same manna that you had from yesterday as well. So you have to have to move yourself out from that lukewarm stage. So either push through and go, ignite that fire inside, and I'll tell you how to do it, or, or it can lead just to your demise. Now, being lukewarm, you are also not a good witness unto the Lord. Now, church, there's no judgments here because I can tell you, like I said earlier, I was once cold, and I was once on fire, and I was even lukewarm for a long, long while. I remember at one point years ago, I was so disheartened and bitter that I even found myself crying, bawling my eyes out in Miss Becky's office, and PT prayed for me that day and lifted the weight from my shoulders and softened my heart and began my journey to forgiveness. But I had to walk it out. I could not use PT's anointing to solve my problems. I had used his anointing to help show me the path and way to go and walk it out in forgiveness. So how can we figure out if we are hot, lukewarm, or cold in our faith? Very, very simple questions to ask ourselves. We have to ask, how, are, how committed am I to the Lord today? How committed are you? Check one of two things. Number one, your interest in the word. Is it important to you? Or has it become less important? Do you spend time in the Word? Or let's rephrase it. How often do you read the Bible? Daily? Once a week? Once a month? Sometimes? When we feel like it? Who knows? I'm a little bit of everything. (laughs) Now, The interest in the word is through you individually, not just worshiping, not just attending Wednesdays and Sundays and listening to PT or different pastors, but reading and meditating on the word itself. Let me say that again. Read and meditate so that you can discern and get your own revelation through your own actions. If you're reading and meditating the Word, it builds your relationship and intimacy with the Lord. How does the Father's heart beat in your own heart? Do you open this thing called the Bible? Do you even know where it is? Because not spending time in the Word can begin your backslide. Sometimes you cease reading altogether. Stop meditating on the Word of God you go from lukewarm to cold really fast. When you stop reading and meditating, do you find yourself not being excited or having anything to glorify to God? Think back about your conversations you have with your family, yourself, with God, your coworkers. Do you have moments that you can glorify how God is working in your life? Can you claim victory in circumstances in your life? 
Or are you going to be just complaining about how struck down you are, how beaten down you are? Well, that's your answer right there. Because if you are in the Word, and you are obedient to the Word, and you have an intimate relationship with the Word, you can glorify your victory in almost every circumstance in your life. So that is one way, one very clear way to understand how, how your faith, what position your faith is at at this moment. How much time you spend in the Word yourself. Not putting on AirPods or, you know, in the radio, listening to um, tapes and sermons, because that's awesome. I do the same, but I know I'm guilty sometimes when it's time to open the book, because what, what happens? Life happens, right? We've got kids, we got work, we're tired, we're putting babies to sleep, and all of a sudden, eh, we make excuses. But whoa, if you don't make it a priority to spend time on the Word itself, Check your faith and see which direction it's heading towards. Now, the word, if you read it and really read it and meditate on it, you will get revelation because the word reproof, it edifies and it brings you closer to the Lord. Image and likeness onto the Lord. Number two, another way to gauge if you're warm in your faith, hot, lukewarm, or really, really cold, is to check your prayer life, okay? So, just like we're instructed to do in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's take a moment to see that again. Rejoice. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice in the day that he gave you. He gave you another chance to complete your purpose. He gave you a chance to extend the kingdom. He ex- gave you another chance to be rejoiceful in it, to continue your intimate relationship with your father. Now, if you look at The next verse, it says, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Now, if you rejoice evermore, you have continued to be in the word. Your mouth speaks the abundance of your heart. So when you do pray, you give thanks despite your circumstances, and you speak life and speak the name of Jesus. Look closely at your prayers. Is it purposeful? Or is it just lip service? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for, I pray for blah, blah, blah. Amen. <laughs> Do you pray for money? Do you pray for stuff? All right? Amen. Thank you. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. Or, you know, that was me too. I used to pray like that. But nowadays, I know that when I pray... I pray to extend the kingdom. For example, I'm a teacher. And when I start off my day, it's an intercessory prayer. I'll be dead honest. I stand by the threshold. 
before sometimes even kids see me teachers pass by in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit i draw a line i demarcate a line in my classroom i pray i touch the tables the chairs i extend the kingdom i command my angels to battle any demonic spirits brought into my kingdom space i leave my back door open I call on Yeshua's name to exercise anything that does not belong. I call on the Holy Spirit to help me be more discernful and truthful with my words. And even when my youngest son, kindergarten, you know, I pray. We always pray. I pray over him. And throughout the day, if there's a name that crosses my mind, I purposefully seek insight and pray for them as well. So, number one, and number two, that's simple. Pray. Pray. And if you are in the Word, you can pray purposefully, not just for you, for others, and you will be guided in how to extend the kingdom. Praying. Remember when you fervently prayed when things were terrible or absolutely going wrong and you were dead cold? But you started to be obedient to the word and started reading the word and meditating. Didn't your circumstance change a little, a lot? So when things stabilized and you harvested good fruit, what did you do next? Did you continue from one glory to another? Or did you become complacent? Oof, that's a very dangerous word, you know. You let your guard down. Ooh, things are getting better. Eh, I've been going to church. All right, maybe I, need to skip, I could skip this day because then all of a sudden, you know, your mindset starts to change. And instead of God being a priority, the world becomes a, pri- a priority instead. You know, letting your guard down. If you let your guard down, and you start to make that choice other than God, this is how the enemy distracts you or you st- when they start to steal, kill, and destroy the things that you have or the things, the fruits that you have harvested. One day, you have to make an excuse. One day, you know, when you start to put the world as a priority instead, you make excuses why you didn't pray or read the Bible, or sooner or later, it breaks your habit. Maybe you were tired one day. Maybe you were sick, right? Maybe afterwards, later on, you didn't go to church. You didn't read your Bible. You stopped praying, and you give the victory to the enemy. Then all of a sudden, the enemy will attack your health. It goes after your family. Then it attacks your finances. Or you become so distracted, like I said earlier, with life, that you forget those two main priorities, building your relationship, being in the word, reading it, and never ceasing to pray. You know, how many times all of a sudden we start and like, man, I had a tough day. You have two choices, conscious choice to make. Are you going to put yourself in the word? Or are you going to be like, man, I had a, tough day. I'm going to go grab a beer, grab a drink, watch TV, 
and just be distracted because that's what the enemy's trying to do, right? Or think about an instance, let's say your wife, you had a disagreement, maybe for a long while, and all of a sudden, instead of remembering 1 Corinthians 13 of how you're supposed to or should have acted during those times, you try to fix things on your own. You buy expensive jewelry, something, flowers, and think that, okay, that's how it's going to fix things. Now, when you start making those worldly choices, that's where, again, your fire can start to diminish. Now, if you had peace in the moment or you had been in the Word at the beginning, you wouldn't put yourself in that place and you wouldn't have made, made worldly decisions. Now, if your attention wanes from the Lord and turns back to worldly desires, it can only mean one thing, death, spiritually and physical death as well. This is when sin creeps back into your life. You start to suppress the Holy Ghost. You can't hear from him no more. And reason things out yourself and make excuses why this is a better choice than praying, reading the word, going to church, forgiving. That's a tough one too, right? But if you were in the word and prayed, you might not mean this hot mess you are in right now. Maybe you should have turned it over to the Lord and the burdening chains to be broken off, but instead you tried to fix it yourself. These are two main indicators we analyze in our faith and see that it can tell us which direction we're headed to, hot or cold. These can help to see the quality of the relationship we have with the Lord. Now, I want you to think about this, hot water. It will cool down if you left it alone, you know, your cup of coffee and things like that. Leave it there, and it will naturally cool back down. You have living water inside of you, church. Saints, it will cool down if you leave it alone. That living water has to be fired up. Prayer, relationship, right? Being in the Word reading it, meditating in it, because that word, that living water cannot spring up and well up if it is left alone, untended in here, because it is waiting, waiting to be fired up and boiled over. Now, hot water, right, can become tepid, lukewarm, and you can make it even go even colder. Again, if left at room temperature, the environment can affect it. But you have a chance to fire up, to be a catalyst. That's the word of God. That's your prayer life to make that living water become hot. Now, when our water becomes hot, we also, don't we use it to change, you know, Boring, mundane, regular water into something else. Coffee, tea, flavored drinks. And it's only soluble when it's hot. So, some of us can't even begin the day with one of those drinks. So think about 
if your day it was uneventful or even worse, you had a bad day, maybe you didn't fire up the living water inside of you. In most cases, water needs to be hot to change its characteristics. Like I said, make things soluble to dissolve things and can change its properties. If you water your spirit man and it gets hot and fired up, it can dissolve some of the things you are battling as well. Bitterness, unforgiveness, your health, right? You fire that living water up with the word of God through your prayer life. Didn't Jesus tell us to be the salt and the light? Just as salt enhances the flavor, we are to be hot so we too can flavor our lives to be richer, bolder, and more distinctive. PT says it often that there should be something that sets us apart from the world, something that people want, that people can recognize how calm, peaceful, and loving when we are faced with adversity, right? Read the Bible and pray. When you read the Bible and you get revelation, you get answers. When you pray, you nurture your relationship with the Lord. Things get broken off. Desire to come to church, you find your purpose. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things get added unto you. Church, when you're faced with adversity or the onslaught of the enemy, what do you do? Do you just reel from when the attack comes? Or because you've been in the Word and you have a strong prayer life, do you raise your shield of faith? Do you unsheathe your sword of the Spirit and attack, attack or chop off the enemy's arm that's touching, grabbing, killing, stealing, destroying aspects of your life? Being in the Word also helps you become discernful gives you situational awareness so that you can see it coming even before it does. And you can chop that hand off or you can evade it and you can remain victorious. We have one chance at this, folks. We can't come to the end and wish we could have done things differently. We have a finite amount of time that the Lord has gifted us to accomplish our task, our purpose. One, one and one chance only. Let me ask you this. How, is, how important is your future, your salvation, your family, your purpose, your physical life? Will your feelings dictate your life? Meaning, are you going to stand by the word that you have a sound mind, that fear is not one of the characteristics or, you know, giftings of the Lord? Or are you just going to go be angry, be bitter because someone offended you? Or are you just going to forgive them, move along, and just know that you can do all things through the Lord Jesus Christ who strengthens you? I mean, I'm standing in front here because I know that as I speak the word of Jesus, the Lord, I know that I can do that. I am not afraid. I have no fear as long as I am obedient to the Lord. Now, 
Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, strength in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on to you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Saints, we are made in the image and likeness of God. That right there is the reason you will be attacked over and over by the enemy. This Christian life is not without trouble, but you are equipped by his might. As I have matured in my Christian life, I'm able to discern an attack, and you bet you, like I said earlier, I raise my shield of faith and strike with the sword of the Spirit. Sometimes I'm knocked down on my keister, even bloodied, but hacked to the no. My feet are shod with the gospel of peace, and I will raise back up. I will dust myself off and fend off the next attack. Let's switch gears for a bit, and let's look at what's happening in Ukraine. You see the president trying to equip the citizens. He eased laws to enable them to acquire guns and made guns available for them to help repel the invasion of the country. Jesus did the same. He took our sins. And when he was crucified and resurrected, he gifted us the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. As our companion who resides in us to fight the enemy, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, tongues, prophecy, just to name a few. Use them. You won't know how to use them if you're not in the Word. If you're not reading the Word, you will not get that revelation. You can't use it if you're not praying, because when you pray, you have that communication with the Lord, and you will be instructed how to strategically use the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. And ye shall seek me and find me. And when ye shall search for me with all your heart. You got to search for him in your prayer life. And when you're reading with all your heart, because this decision about your faith has to be a heart change. It's not a works mentality. It's not about showing up on Wednesdays. It's not about listening to tapes. Thank you. It's not listening to PT. It has to be a lifestyle. You got to want it. Again, that first question, how committed are you to the Lord? Now, I thought that was the end of the passage.
when, you know, I first talked to PT about what I was going to talk about here this Wednesday evening, but a couple of weeks ago, I went and talked to PT about something else, and he asked me what day in March I would be standing in this pulpit, and I told him, I'm like, okay, I'll look over my notes, but afterwards, I was like, whew, it's kind of short, and how am I going to conclude this? So that day, driving home, we stopped by a grocery store. And someone approached me, and because I asked God, right? I asked the Holy Spirit, I'm like, how can I kind of like conclude my Wednesday evening now that I had a date to show up here? Someone had a word for me. And I'm going to briefly talk about what was given to me that word, received it, and I'm going to conclude with that. Because we are all purposefully planted in this day and hour. Purposefully by God. Over here, this moment, over here, the seed. Okay? Now, A seed has everything it needs encased in its shell. It has everything. However, it needs extraneous factors for it to germinate. Something's got to affect it. It's there. You can kind of see where I'm leading to this. Sometimes it's water, living water, scripture. Some seeds need warmth, heat, fire, your faith. The faith only comes from the word of God. Some seeds need light for it to germinate. Your delight, when you walk these things out, you germinate the seed. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. The kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of heaven, is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. A small seed grows and becometh a tree. If we are lukewarm, the seed will never germinate. It will stay a seed until it has all the factors it needs. You need to nurture that seed so that it germinates and grows. That scripture talks about needing water, warmth, light when it is, in, when it is planted inside of you. If you are sitting here and that seed is not germinating, this is where the body of Christ is important. Others can help you figure out that block. And saints, don't be offended when someone points out something that, or holds you accountable because we are all just looking for those seeds to grow. Let's look at this analogy 
of the tree, of the tree a little further. When that seed grows, it becomes a tree, a great tree with plentiful branches. Think about that. Branch stretches out, grows. Now, those branches covers, covers different aspects of your life. You're the root, and you branch out. Family, your workspace, right? Friends, church, your spouse. You have a branch for all of those around you. Now, that branch can grow leaves when it's nurtured to help cover them. And that canopy can cover and give them shade, protection from the elements, from the world. Those branches can grow even bigger and bigger. Now, being lukewarm, and if you don't nurture it with the word, if you don't have a good prayer life and your spirit man is just stuck right in there, it doesn't come from the root and nurture those, those leaves. They start to wither. They start to fall down. And they can't bear fruit in the right season. So these branches, right, we need to make sure we nurture them so that the canopy can grow even bigger. And at the right season, it will bear good fruit. Now, this is where we might get in trouble when we think about harvesting the fruit because sometimes it's not the right season or we didn't nurture that branch good enough or we're anticipating our own timing when that branch should bear fruit. So we also need to be obedient at the proper season so that when it does bear fruit, we're ready to harvest it. Now, if the root is not being fed with the word and not, it ha- we have a non-existent prayer life, that per- per- uh, personal relationship with God is withering, it can't supply the rest of the tree with the proper nutrients and the leaves again start to fall away and the branch dies and it can no longer bear any kind of fruit. So as I close out this evening, think about Genesis where Adam and Eve were planted in a garden and had their access cut off from the tree. But then also look at Revelations chapter 22 and it ends with the tree of life being open for all of those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So read, read and pray. When you're done, read and pray again. Do it continually. Let it become a habit. Let this habit become a lifestyle. Then watch. Watch carefully your life be transformed and watch how much fruit you end up bearing. Amen. Amen. So, thank you, Lord. And as we walk out tonight, we just know that we shall speak your name in every 
every part of our life. As we branch out this evening, we will continue to nurture that seed that is inside of us with, through prayer and through reading the word, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.